Welcome to the B Major Podcast with Noah Aronson. I am Noah Aronson. I'm a recording artist, composer, performer, and intentional mover. I create music and interactive experiences to activate creativity in the mind and body. This podcast is a playground for you to explore the intersection of wellness and creativity. My process involves activating the voice by dropping into the body. I developed this method to help me battle depression and anxiety, and now I'm excited to share with you how creativity can be a powerful modality to add to other wellness and healing practices you may have. I call it the Revoice Method, and all of the music you'll hear on this podcast will be a result of this creative practice. Each week, you'll hear interviews with practitioners working in the wellness and creativity space, be guided through meditations, and will be invited into my revoice method. It is my belief that we are all quote-unquote creatives, and when we can activate our creativity authentically, we can all be happier, healthier, be more joyful, we can all be major. Welcome back to the B Major Podcast. Today we are talking about navigating through discomfort and pain, and I interview Chris McMahon, who is a health and mindset coach. Our conversation covers a broad range of topics, but the main reason for bringing him on this series was his work in helping to remind us that pain is not normal, and that we can learn to cultivate more compassion for ourselves when navigating through discomfort. creative process, when done well, has the tendency to dredge up some painful memories and experiences from our past. It's important for us to remember that this is all part of the process and that we are safe in our creative expression. Chris talks about how he used to wake up in the mornings and think it was quote-unquote normal to be depressed and anxious. I resonate with that feeling a lot and struggle some mornings still with my depression. But I've learned through consistent practice that this is not my normal state. And now when I notice my depression kicking in, I lean into different practices that I know help get me back into a place of lightness. It all starts with awareness and then injecting a lot of self-compassion. It's important not to judge ourselves for feeling a certain way and to remember that we have the power to shift a moment. Sadness can sometimes fuel our creativity, and in turn, our creative practices can actually help us safely navigate through it. And it's equally important to remember that it's much easier to motivate to get into the creative flow when we are in a place of lightness and joy. The goal is not to try to be sad, but to know that when sadness arises, we have tools to help us move through it. In this way, our creativity and our wellness are intrinsically linked. When creativity is used as a wellness practice, it can help us soothe and bring us back to a place of ease. So let's revoice again and see what creativity emerges. 
I will invite you into the creative process, starting from nothingness and letting creativity emerge. I enter in not knowing where it will lead me, but having faith in the power of play and curiosity to lead me from nothingness into somethingness. And for me, that's enough. Today, I invite you to not only move with the music, but to also sing along and be playful with it. You can choose to sing what I'm singing, or you can invent your own music that feels right for you. Give it a shot. If it feels a bit scary for you, perhaps that's a sign that some part of you may be wanting to sing, but you are holding yourself back from experiencing something that might actually feel good. I remind you that you are safe to express your creativity, that you too have the power to push through your resistance and to be playful and light in this space.
So yeah, you can hear how I allowed in play and also made a lot of mistakes, but it didn't matter. What matters to me is that after entering into the process, I feel lighter, more in my body, and more present in this moment. Whether or not this turns into a piece of art that I'll use later is not as important to me right now as simply entering into the process. To be honest, it's actually been around two weeks since the last time I had a chance to do this revoice practice, and so today's session felt a bit uncomfortable for me, and it was a bit of a challenge. My best creativity always emerges when I'm in a daily practice, when I am constantly creating. Then my mind and body are working together more fluidly. And I find that this is true of all my wellness practices. I find that I am my best self when I'm tapping in daily, in small doses, rather than random bursts whenever I choose to make the time. But I do hope that experiencing my process in this way, no matter where it was today, helped you to tap into your creativity and shows you that it's all okay. All of life can be seen as a practice. Let's now dive into my interview with Chris McMahon and hear what he has to say about moving through moments of discomfort and having more self-compassion. Be 
So welcome back. I'm speaking today with Chris McMahon, who is a health and mindset coach. His recent project, The Traps of Diet Culture and How to Break Free, has been gaining traction in the wellness community. And Chris has so many videos about unlocking pain in our hips and different areas in our body. They're extraordinarily useful and extraordinarily simple. Chris is giving away a lot of his videos and his teaching for free on his website. Uh, so you can find him at Chris dash mcmahon.com and we'll have a link available for you so you can access that information and much more that chris has to offer but most importantly chris is a fellow jersey boy just like me and <laughs> especially great to welcome you to the show welcome chris well, thank you thank you so much for having me you know i'm excited to get to talk with you about all things uh all things really wherever the conversation tends to go i'm 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 game for it wherever uh wherever we're headed. Yeah, well, uh, in our brief conversations before the interview, you mentioned that you actually have a background in vocal performance and a bachelor's in music. Yes. Uh, as you know, this podcast series is about finding the meeting points between wellness and creativity. So logically, you're a perfect guest for our show. So I'd love to start if you can just talk a little bit about your journey and how you discovered this particular path for yourself. Oh yeah, that's a big that's a big one. Everyone has such an interesting journey of how they get to where they are. And for me, it kind of was I I never was like an athletic kid. I wouldn't classify myself as that. I much preferred theater. I much preferred uh, sitting around watching shows. Like that was the thing I liked I liked doing. And I also played sports because my my parents wanted me to be active, but it just wasn't the thing for me. And uh, by the time I was done with high school, I decided that I wanted to pursue music, that I wanted to pursue acting. Those were the things that like really excited me at the time. And I ended up going to, going to NYU and going as a vocal performance major and spending four years studying this craft and, and doing it every single day, singing every single day. And I think the thing that I, in hindsight was, I just really wanted to act. Singing was great you know, um, and I'm so grateful for the time that I spent there because it really taught me how to do a lot of things, use a certain part of my brain that probably wouldn't be used otherwise. You know this as a composition person, as a pianist, as like to be able to read music and process it and actually let that part of the brain be creative and be active is so important because it allows you to be present in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You can't really sight read or sight sing or do any of that stuff without actually taking it in, absorbing it, processing it. Like it's, it's such an important thing. And I encourage others to be able to do that sort of thing. Um, but when I graduated, uh, I ended up getting a job working at a gym and it's all because my sophomore year in college, I should preface this and say my freshman year of college, I weighed about 118 pounds. So I was 5'10", 118 pounds. And I just had a really fast metabolism. Was sort of a late bloomer too. So with puberty and everything, it just hadn't kicked into high gear yet. And I ended up getting cast in a show that we were doing where I had to play this big intimidating prisoner. Huh. And they were like, you have to go to this gym. You have to figure this out or we're going to recast it. And I was like, oh, okay. And for me, I, I never do something like 92%. It's like, it's like 110 and be above. It's part of my a little bit neuroses, a little bit, a little bit like perfectionism. Like it's like, okay, I got to go. 
all in. And my friend happened to be going to school to become a, a trainer. And um, I, I, I called and asked him, I was like, I, I need to put on muscle. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? And he was like, wow, this sounds really cool. I've never trained anyone before. I'll do it. And you don't have to pay me anything and be at my house this day. So it was summer break. And that summer I started lifting weights and eating more. And it was literally like six days a week. I was exercising and I was eating about 4,000 calories a day. And by the end of the summer, I had put on about 40 pounds hmm. and I went back to school looking like a completely different person, still being the same me, but looking a completely different way. And suddenly there was different attention from different people. And I had this new level of confidence and like that, uh, fitness became a part of my life and it slowly morphed into fitness being, okay, this is how I can get some of my anxiety and some of my stress out. And, uh, it allows me to have routine in my day. And all of those things are super important, especially as I, as I've gotten to where I am now, there was a lot of things that I uncovered along the way. And when I graduated, I didn't want to work in a restaurant. I didn't want to work as a barista. I wanted to own my own schedule so I could go and audition. And that same buddy of mine, Tim, if Tim's listening to this, hey, buddy, thank you. Uh, if uh, he, he was working in this gym in New York City, and he's like, do, do you want to get an interview? Do you want to work here? And I was like, I don't know anything other than like men's health and fitness magazine workouts. I don't, I don't know. And he's like, that's perfect. They'll take you. You're willing to learn. <laughs> And I got hired by this, what at the time I didn't recognize was this huge gym that not only were they one of the top fitness places to go, but they also had one of the top education systems oh, wow. within their facility. It was a flagship location. And what that means is basically like the highest ranking trainers were staffed at that gym. So basically what it became was I got hired and like I said, I, I'm always open to learning and growing and, and I really have a beginner's mindset when it comes to most things. I just asked a lot of questions. I just was like, I don't know what this is. Can you explain this to me? And a lot of the trainers were like, yeah, sure. I'll show you once. Yeah. But then you have to go and do the work. And then if you want to talk more about it, great, come with questions. And, and that's what it was. And slowly but surely, I, I made my way through the ranks at this gym and was a sought after trainer and I lived on both coasts. I lived in LA. I was a trainer there. I did TV and film stuff there. And then I was doing all this stuff and I started working for different companies as a fitness professional. And what brought me to where I am now is basically coming to an understanding that when it comes to health and fitness, a lot of it can be confusing. A lot of it can seem as if I have to look a specific way or be a specific way, or I am failing, or I am not doing it right, or I am not doing enough. And that's no one's fault. It's perpetuated by a lot of like the stigma that's surrounding weight, surrounding look, both as male, female, however you choose to identify within your life. It's all there. It's literally the writing on the wall is you have to look a certain way. If you want to be, if you want to be considered like, uh, a strong male, you need to have like a six pack and rippling muscles. Like that's how it's defined. Like that's, that's literally the thing. Right. And what that creates for a lot of individuals and, and for women is you have to look a specific way. You have to look like a model or you have to fit in this mold. Right. And what that creates, it actually takes away from the beauty of being able to move your body and enjoy what your body is doing. 
Hmm. because we feel like we have to actually break, continue to break ourselves down in order to get to someone else's ideal. Hmm. So what it's brought me to is this path of gentle health and kind fitness. I, I work with everyone of every shape of every size. There's no counting calories. There's no stepping on a scale. There's none of that because I truly do believe that health is available at every size. That is, that is what I've come to believe. I come to, I've, I've come to accept so much is that everyone's journey is different and you can have someone who would be technically like someone would consider overweight. They could be way healthier than me. I'm type one diabetic. And this is a, I know you're listening to this, but if you're seeing this, I weigh like 160 pounds soaking wet. I exercise all the time. I'm type one diabetic. You would never know that looking at me. And it's, it's interesting because it happened to me a few weeks ago. I went to a, a, a urgent care. I had cut my finger. So I was seeing someone I'd never seen before. And when they saw my chart that I had diabetes, they were like, you're diabetic. You don't look like you have diabetes. And I was just like, what, what do you mean? I don't look like you don't know. You don't know on someone's journey. You don't know where someone is in their story. You don't know why they look a specific way. You don't know why they're interacting a specific way. So health and fitness has suddenly transformed into, okay, I help uncomplicate it. I help you get out of pain because I, I, I am fascinated with how the human body moves and helping others be comfortable with moving their body. So I help you get out of pain, help you get stronger. Those things are great, right? To be able to move with confidence is a wonderful, fantastic thing. And it's not limiting, right? You're not, you're not a, a, a square peg trying to fit in the circle that no, it's open to anyone, any place, wherever you are. It could be as simple as going for a walk. If that makes you feel validated within your body, yes, I'm going to celebrate that. I want you to go do that. I help you heal your relationship with food. We look at why we make the choices we're making, why we're making these choices, how they, how they show up for us. And it extends way beyond, you know, looking at like something like my fitness pal or, or, or trying to fit in a certain outfit like it goes way beyond that yeah. and i i said this to you when we did a, uh, an early interview i would never yuck someone's internal yum <laughs> someone came to me and said they wanted to lose weight i'd be like cool let's do it but let's not do it this way let's not let's not try and put our body in a deficit let's try to actually see why is that the thing you want to do because the last part of what I do is help people make decisions confidently, understanding why we're working towards what we're working towards. Because I truly believe that the feel is more important than the look. Mm. That, that rings true for all of my clients. Mm. Every, every single one of them will tell you, oh, yeah, Chris is more concerned about how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Am I going to push myself to break myself down? There are a lot of coaches out there who will be like, yeah pain is just weakness leaving the body. Yeah. You have to work really, really hard. Yeah. You have to, you have to embrace the suck. You have to do right. I don't believe in any of that. I did that for a really long time. And I ended up, I ended up injured. I ended up uh, depressed. I ended up overtraining. I ended up having anxiety, like all these things. And I still deal with them because, because there's, there's not a day that goes by where I'm not thinking about, oh, okay, this food choice that I'm making, is it going to affect my diabetes? Is it going to affect the way I look? Like, huh. here I am as a health coach, and those things are, are plaguing me all the time. So why would I put that onto someone else? Yeah. You know, why would I do that? Right? I don't know. I don't know what your journey is with, with uh, your, your fitness. I saw like a picture of like a transformation that you went through. Like, 
I'm sure there's probably some of those thoughts that float through your mind because you exist. That's literally the way it is. You exist. Yeah. So if we can create a space or if I can create a space where someone can feel comfortable and break through some of that stigma, break through some of those habit loops in a, a, a gentle, nurturing, growth-oriented way, then that's, that's what I'm here to do. That's, that, it, that is my purpose and it's an alignment with my passion and that brings plenty. Uh, purpose and passion brings plenty, plenty of opportunity for different things that might show up and we get to surrender and get to have those opportunities, whatever they might look like. I didn't think I would be doing this. For a long time, I said, no. I said, no. Didn't matter I had a lot of clients. Didn't matter people told me I was really good at it. Didn't matter that I was helping others because in my mind, it was like, no, I'm supposed to be an actor. I'm supposed to be on red carpets. Like, I don't want this. I don't want what you're giving me. So I'm going to shove it down and avoid it. So universe was communicating to you this one thing and it was where your passion and where your joy and where your lightness was, but you were still stuck in your mind about what you thought your path should be. Yeah, exactly. And I think we all suffer from that sometimes because it doesn't look, we set an excessive expectation for ourselves. There's an amazing book called The Expectation Hangover, and it talks all about this. It's the idea that we set the expectation for ourselves, and when it doesn't arrive, we consider or deem ourselves a failure. We're literally, we burn ourselves out because we're trying to get to that ideal, right. but we're, we're, we're getting away from what the actual intention is. Who, what, am I, what do I hope to be? Who do I hope to be? Right. We set goals and then we have to recognize that these goals are just signposts. Uh, I was speaking with a, with a man named David Allen a few weeks ago, uh, and he wrote a book called Getting Things Done. And mm. he was talking about how, how we have to have flexible goals, that uh, you put something out there in front of you that you're, you're trying to work towards, but know that along the way, there's going to be all these other um, learnings and pathways for you that, you, that, that, are, that are opening up for you as you're making your way. So don't get so stuck and so attached on that one goal that you're missing all of these amazing signs along the way. That, that is so, so very important. Yeah, I, I, a thing I say all the time, and I catch flack for it from new clients, from people who follow me on social media, I, I hate goals. I hate them. I do not like them. I think they're overrated for that one reason alone, because we get so sucked into, okay, this is the goal. I have to hit this goal. And we get disappointed right. if we don't get the goal. Yeah. Yes, we get disappointed. We consider ourselves a failure. But like, like, David said, it's, you're not failing, you're learning, you're growing. So you're, you're actually making progress moving forward. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're moving forward every single time. What, what, what is actually at the core of all of those are values. What do I value within my life? What do I identify as the thing that is a core value? Because then I make decisions based off that. Then I can say, okay, am I taking one step closer or one step further away from the version of myself I hope to be? And then it suddenly changes. Then, yeah, I can have those goals. I can have those signposts, but I recognize that, oh, those are definitely going to change along the way. Because what happens is you hit them, you get to the goal, and then you go, Hmm. what now? Right. What now? It's not what I thought it is. You'll hit the number in your bank account. You'll, you'll sign with a record label and have a bunch of albums come out. You'll, you'll travel the world. You'll find the partner you deem perfect. And you get with every one of those things. And then you say, huh, it's not what I, huh. not what I thought. It's not, it's not fixing me. Hmm. I felt the same way. Like I, 
I worked, I did all of these things with acting. I had an amazing manager and I worked with agents and all this stuff. And here I was, I had a meeting with them and they were like, all right, do you want to resign? And I was like, I was doing all this talking with them. And I, I was saying, well, you know, I haven't, I haven't been to acting classes, but you know, I'm working really hard on it. And, and I'll, I, I will never be able to thank my manager at the time enough. He was like, Hey, it sounds like you're trying to convince me that you want to, that you want to resign. Look, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Yeah. I'm always going to resign you. You're, 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 you're talented. I'm always going to resign you. I always want to work with you, but if you don't want to do the work, yeah, it's just, it's just bringing yourself down. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think this is what I actually want to do. So interesting. I, uh, I had a discovery recently where I, I could be wrong about this, but I, I think a lot of actors actually get into acting and enjoy acting school a lot more than they do the profession of being an actor like the experience of all of the workshops and all the classes and all the play and all of the like inventing and all the creativity that happens and all the, the relationships that are formed. That's what I think attracts people. And, and, and stepping into these new characters is like, is so great for our emotional world, right? And it's so great for identifying with other people's experiences, but that doesn't happen so often out in the actual acting world in the act in the field of acting. And I, and I think a lot of people like what you're saying kind of burn out because they're not, they're not getting those experiences on a day-to-day basis. They're, they're dealing with the, the, you know, the logistics of acting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to make a blanket statement for all people who are, who are actors because it's incredibly profound, beautiful process. And the, the, the amazing thing right now is you can go and create those things at any time. You have a phone, you have, you have other people you can contact with Zoom, you can create whatever you want to create. So I don't even think it's that. For me, what it was, remember I mentioned earlier, passion and purpose equals plenty. Well, what I was trying to do was build a career on a hobby. My hobby was getting up and being someone else in front of other people and bringing them joy in that regard. But then looking fishing for accolades, a proverbial pat on the back at all times. Uh. I received validation from those unseen faces clapping. Absolutely. For me, it was my escape. Mm-hmm. I had I had a complicated relationship with my with my with my parents and things like that as a kid growing up. I was adopted. I didn't fit in. But when I stepped on a stage, I was able to be someone else for that moment. Accepted. And have that clap, that award, that praise. And that made me be like, oh, okay. Okay. The feelings, the emotions, the depression, all these things that I have right now, they don't matter because right. I'm getting that, that accolade. Yeah. So yeah. then you're always chasing that. And then, and then when you do get there, when you do get the point where you're getting the accolades and that's the thing and it, you're waiting for it to happen again and again, that's the excessive expectation that it's going gonna, it's gonna to feed you all the time. But what happens is you're not actually, for me, for other actors, this might be the case where it's working for them, where they, where, where bringing joy to other people by performing or by creating or by this, that actually is feeding their purpose. Right. That is amazing. For me, it wasn't feeding my purpose. Right. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's not really what I need, what, what I need to keep going is to, to be unstuck and to be unstuck. I need to push into discomfort. And for me, the discomfort is being like, okay, I'm going to coach people. Mm. Okay. I'm going to have to learn more. 
okay, I'm going to have to go in therapy. Okay, I'm going to have to work with different coaches. Okay, I'm going to have to explore these inner roadblocks that are coming up. Okay, I'm going to have to write all these things that require me to do deep work so that I can show up as my true authentic self. So I can remove the fear, remove the fear. Fear is broken down into four base things. Fear is fusing with whatever stories or ideas are in your head that keep you stuck to a specific place. It's excessive expectations. It's avoiding your values. And then it's trying to rationalize or reason with any of those stories. And you can't because they're all fiction, right? And to be able to get to that point, that brought me here. Mm. That brought me to doing the stuff I'm doing right now. Because every time, every time I do this stuff, it's literally like, okay, a couple of years ago, I never would have said any of the stuff I just said about, about, about uh, my relationship with exercise, my relationship with training, my really, because for me, it was like, all right, if you want to move your body, you should just move your body and go and do it. Right. But no, the last year has taught me so much in that, like, oh, I have a lot of things going on in me and other people have those things going on too. So we can talk about them and we can actually work them out in a safe way. Um, so I think, I think that answered your question. Yeah. But I think- oh, it's amazing. I, I love, I love so many of things that you're, you're saying it's so aligned with how I'm choosing to live my life right now. And, and so many of the people who come on this program, uh, I just think that it's so beautiful how it flows through you. Um, I love what you said about um, compassionate coaching. Um, you know, it, it made me think a lot about um, I heard a coach once say, you know, why are you focusing so much on the 10 pounds that you want to lose? What about the 190 pounds that is that you still have that is beautiful and, and wonderful? And, and you said passion plus purpose, I think was passion plus purpose equals plenty. Like mm-hmm. the idea that we are enough when we are in our flow and our lightness. I also want to draw uh, you know, our listeners' attention. One of the uh, key lines that shows up on your website, which I love, it says, pain is not normal. It's just, I, I love that, that sentiment. Another way of saying that could be that our natural state of being is actually joy and lightness. So how would you suggest in your coaching and the things that you've um, put out into the world that how people overcome our pain points and get back into our flow state? Ooh. Yeah, this is, this is another really, really good question. And yeah, I think for me, if we can look at the pain as the first thing for me, I had, I had in, in 2018, I had a crippling bout with depression and anxiety and OCD and like all of these things that, and it was basically like years and years and years and years of trauma that I tried to just layer over. And I thought it was completely normal to get out of bed in the morning and be like, oh God, this is going to be the worst day. I thought it was normal to not be able to get out of bed sometimes. I thought it was normal to cry to yourself sometimes and not, not want to tell anyone. Like I thought all of those things were normal. And then I went to therapy and I was like, no, you have this kind of depression. You are feeling some sort of depression. That is something that's long-term. It's like a thing you're born with. You're not, there's nothing wrong with you. And I, that made me recognize, oh, okay. So pain, this thing that I'm feeling, it's act, it's not actually normal. Like there's something more going on here. And the thing that helped me, the thing that, that saved me, uh, one was asking for help and getting help. And if you feel this way about anything, if your pain is emotional pain and emotional trauma, you're not broken. You're not, you're not less than you're not, un 
lovable. Like none of those things are true. Those are just, again, those are those fictions that we attach to because it's easier to attach to things that are fiction because you can live in the subconscious. Mm. You don't have to be in the present moment. Mm. You can go and live in the stories because we're designed that way. Because to exist in the conscious requires a large percentage of our brain and our attention. And when someone tells you to be present, that's not a fair statement. I'm guilty of saying it. And I've learned that it's just not fair. We, we, you just can't be present. It doesn't work that way. To be in flow state, it, it would be like me saying, hey, just do the thing you love doing and you'll be in flow. That doesn't exist. You have to actually uh, be meditative about it. There's actually a process to go about that sort of thing. And if you're actually chasing, trying to find flow, you won't. That's so great. I love that. Thank you. That's that powerful message to, to send to listeners right now. And to me, I'm, I'm receiving that because I do think that it, um, that gets thrown around a lot. Like, Oh, just be present. You're like, what do you mean? It's not so easy. Just go be present. It's, it's not. And there's an amazing there's an amazing book. It's called Do the Work, and it's by the holistic uh, psychologist. She's on Instagram, Dr. Nicola Pera, and she talks about it. And in this book, it resonated with me so much because, you know, you go to therapy and sometimes they tell you, okay, just go do this. And then you try to do the thing and it doesn't work. And then they're like, well, you know what? Just try it. Do, do it again. Do it again. And it's like, okay, but it's not actually working. And this is the thing that they talked about. It's like to be in the subconscious, that's where you exist most of the time because of fight or flight, because you're young, you get these stories, everything becomes pre patterned on you. To way, the way to start to break free of it is you have to exist in this present moment, but you could do it for like 30 seconds. So how do you do that? And this is something that I created for, for my clients and I'll, I'll share it with you. It's called Bend. You bend, you bend the story, you bend the moment so that you can exist in the present moment. Mm. To bend, it's an acronym. Bend stands for breath, breathe, breathe. You can choose whatever breathing pattern you want to use, but I, I prefer either a four, six, four count or box breathing, four seconds on the inhale, four seconds exhale in between you're pausing for four seconds. The reason why breath is so important is if we can, and I'm talking like diaphragmatic breath, you know, as a musician, you know, as a singer, if you're, not a, if you're not either of those things, diaphragmatic breath is just breathing into your deep lower belly. So you're massaging the lower part of your lungs, which are blood rich, which need all of that wonderful oxygen. When we're breathing down deep, we're actually getting into our valgus nerve, which sets our parasympathetic nervous system up for success. And when we can do that, we actually begin to calm down. One of the best ways to calm down is by having short breath holds too. One, not, not exhaling in and out of the mouth because that's fight or flight, not holding your breath in those moments because that also you're ramping up everything because you're taking that breath in and out of your mouth, breathing in and out of your nose for 30 seconds, focusing on a four, 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 four count or a four second inhale, six second exhale, four second inhale. That actually is going to shift us into that recovery state. Those short breath holds will bring us into the present moment, but also will reset that whole nervous system, which is so important. And we forget about it sometimes. So that's one breathe for those 30 seconds, picking whatever you want. Second part is to examine, examine the story, examine the goal. You can pick either one. If there is a story that is popping up or keeps replaying, we have to actually name what it is. We usually don't name the story. So it becomes really overwhelming for us. And we feel as if, okay, 
I actually can't deal with this. Right. I was, I was actually on another podcast and I gave this example and it, it worked really well. So I'm going to try to recreate it right now. When I spill the coffee and spill the milk and I get really upset and want to cry about it, I'm not crying over the spilt milk. I'm not crying over the spilt coffee. What I'm crying over is the fact that my mom and dad used to argue and my mom threw milk at my dad once. That's what I'm actually upset about. But as a 31 year old with a small child and my wife and a dog, I don't get the chance to to separate the two because it's a story that's written that becomes automatically programmed. We all have stories like that. You do. You may not recognize it. Something happened when you were like four or five and it triggered you. My wife, she has noise trauma. Noise trauma is a real thing. Noise pollution is a real thing. When she was a kid, her mom's a chef. Her mom would bang pots and pans all the time. Now when she hears pots and pans bang, she literally has like an outer body feeling and an outer body experience. It makes the hair stand up on the back of her neck. Not because anyone did any harm to her, but because that noise was imprinted on her and makes her really stressed out. So we all have those things. So what is it? How do we do it? We look at the story and we have to name it. So is it, I'm... The, uh, okay, I'm a failure. That's one version of the story. Okay, it's the I'm a failure story. Okay, it's the I'm making a mistake story. Okay, it's the I'm, I'm not seen story. Because that's what that story is with the spilt milk and everything. They, didn't, they were so involved in their argument, they didn't recognize that there I am sitting there, right? And so I never want to do that with my son. So how amazing they did that for me because now I'm a better parent because I don't want to ever do that to my son. I don't ever want to do that with my wife. So we could look at it and we could blame them or no, 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 no. They gave me a gift. They gave me an opportunity to learn that here I am, you know, 25 years later, I can recognize that it took me a long time to recognize that my son's going to have an easier time learning this stuff because now I've done the work so I can teach him. My wife can teach him. Right. My wife already teaches him how to breathe. He's 14 months old. When he gets really worked up and really all over the place, my wife sits down with him, puts her head with his and just, and he copies her now. Yeah. So now he knows to breathe. Now, even though he's like doing it really fast, we recognize that he's getting worked up and we can help him calm down. Oh. That's like, I, I wish that I had that when I was a kid, but I'm also glad I didn't because now I can help someone else. Instant mindfulness practices. I've never even heard of that before. Like right? that's amazing. Right. So, so here we are. It's, you have to name whatever that story is. So for me, it's the, okay, I'm not seen. That's the story. And then we literally say it out loud, name it and say it. And, and is naming. So we've got just yeah. got, in terms of our bend, we've got uh, the first one was breathe. Then we've got yeah. uh, examine. Yeah. So, so it's actually breathe. And then it's examine the story so you can say whatever the story is out loud. The next one is name all the facts. Name the actual facts. Like the literal things that are happening around you are facts, not the things that are floating around in your head. So you have to say, okay, I just, if we're going with this, the the milk just spilled. My son is sitting there. My wife is across from me. No one's yelling at me. I'm actually, I'm, I'm feeding my son. I'm being, I'm being very kind. My dog is right there. She's licking at my legs. Like you are literally naming the things that are around you, the things that are facts. You can also flip it another way too. If we go back to the examine, it could be examine the goal. What am I actually trying to work towards right now? And then you can name all the things that you've done that are actually getting you closer to that. 
So if my goal is to be is to be an amazing parent or an amazing spouse, name all the things you've done today to lead you toward that. Because I'm sure you'll find some things along the way. And then the last part, the D, is don't ever undersell the work that you're doing. Don't undersell the facts. Don't. Because when you undersell them, it's so easy to do, right? We're rationalizing the irrational thoughts. And that, that sets us up for this cycle, this cycle that we continue on, where we, where we feel less than, where we feel like I'm not deserving enough, where we feel like I'm a horrible human, where we feel like I'm never going to get it right. It's not true. It's not true. Because if you can go back and look at the facts, you'll recognize, oh, okay. Now, that can all happen in 30 seconds. That can all happen in 30 minutes. 30 seconds is the entry point for Bent. 30 seconds is the entry point. Just try it for 30 seconds. I guarantee you, you'll do it longer. And I don't recommend trying to do it in the heat of the moment if you've never done it before. Right. What I recommend is trying it in the morning, trying it, like setting a time for yourself to try it for 30 seconds. So I have clients, they'll do it as soon as they wake up, they'll do bend. Mm. And they'll just, they'll, they'll examine the goal instead of naming the story, right? Examining the story. They'll, they'll examine whatever their goal is that they're working toward. Because then what happens is when it pop, you do it for 30 seconds in the morning, it's like, okay, it'll probably turn into a minute, two minutes, right? You can't tell someone to meditate for that, that it's pointless. They're meditating for a minute. I heard that once. Someone said that if you're not meditating for 15 to 20 minutes, you're not actually getting all the benefits of it. I'm going to say malarkey to that. I may not be a meditation coach. I may not be a monk. I understand that everyone has their different thoughts and ideas, but that's poo-pooing someone's entry point. Someone mm. needs to just see small benefit and then they will continue to do it. If someone does it for 30 seconds and feels better, they're more likely to do it for a minute, two minutes. It builds I up. But it. we need to keep it ridiculously small for yeah. someone to make any sort of benefit. So 30 seconds of bending will change your entire day because if you do it for 30 seconds, you might be, you might try it for 10 to 15 seconds when you feel yourself getting upset. You might try it when you're not upset and you're just looking at a sunset and you're like, oh, let me just think about this for a second, right? It's just the entry point. Anything beyond that is amazing, but just stick with the really small thing. That's the other thing I coach people on. Stick with the super small, and then you'll see it all like fall into place where it needs to be. This, this, uh, there's so much brilliance in what you're saying. There's, there's just, uh, even in our preliminary call last week, I wasn't even aware that the, 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 the massive depth that you have uh, and the practicality of it all. Like you're, you're, you've created something that people can do in 30 seconds that can shift their awareness. And you're saying, you can't just say to someone, be present and then hope that they're being present. You're giving the people a practical way to jump into it. Like all of the other wisdom traditions and modalities, it starts with the breath. And then it's, it's examining what's happening within our, our mind, but not attaching to it then naming the things that are in the moment around us, that is also another meditation practice of presence right there. And then giving yourself credit for doing that work, like realizing that that's, that's a strong, um, that you're actually able to make that shift, that you're able, you're able to let things move through you. And that takes 30 seconds. And I think that, that is an incredibly powerful thing to be sharing um, with others. 
I, I want to ask you one or two more questions because I mean, I have so many questions for you, but I also know that our time is limited here. Oh, and, uh, go and ahead, ask away. I have the time. So if you want to ask, you go ahead, ask. I'm so grateful uh, that you're giving, you're giving so much wisdom uh, and, and actually just reminding our listeners that uh, Chris, uh, in addition to his coaching, he's giving away a lot for free on his website. So please go visit his website, chrismcmahon.com. That's chris mcmahon.com. There is so much material there that he's just giving away. If you just sign up and you, you ask for, you get, you give them your email and you get, you get years worth of, of uh, learning and growth. So um, it's really amazing how much you're just giving away. Um, and I, some of the videos that I watched on your website were about unlocking pain in the hips. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, where pain lives in the body and specifically why you focus on the hips so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the reason why I focused on the hips or created that was one, I'm also a, a piano player. So that, uh, is very true. But for me, for me, uh, when I started on my training journey and everything, I, I never stretched. I never did anything. I didn't know what a foam roller was. I didn't do any of that stuff. And then I shift from lifting a bunch of weights. I shifted into the world of like body weight movement and calisthenics. And I went through this mentorship program with a company called GMB Fitness. And I ended up becoming one of their lead trainers and one of their head coaches and traveling around and teaching all this stuff. But when I started there, when I started going through the mentorship, one of the requirements was we needed to have our middle splits. We needed to have our pancake. Pancake, for those of you who don't know, pancakes when you're in a straddle and you go all the way forward and your chest is flat to the ground. We need to have those things and we need to have a full bridge. I couldn't do any of those things. So what that led me on was, okay, that means I have to do a lot, right? I have, I have an addictive personality and OCD. Like that's, that's me. I grew up in a house, um, with an alcoholic parent. And one of the telltale signs of that is one, you either get, get the, get the itch that that person had. And two, you have obsessive tendencies because you want to control, you want perfect. Mm -hmm. That's why I know so well what someone else is talking about when they, when they say, no, no, it needs to be perfect. No, I get that because that's what my OCD comes from. And that's why I've had to unprogram it because it's me looking for perfect. So in this case, those injuries I was talking about, this is an example, I would stretch nonstop. Every chance I got, I would stretch my hips, I would do pancakes, I would do weighted stretching, I would do ballistic stretching, I would do all of these things. And all it did was hurt me. All it did was make me so sore that I couldn't do any of the things that I actually wanted to do anyway. And no one said anything about it. Everyone just kept letting me do it because I was able to put cool videos up and all this stuff. And people would want to come to me and do this. And the thing that dawned on me, the reason why I, the hips are kind of the entry point. A lot of people suffer from lower back pain. A lot of people suffer from hamstring, from groin things. It's where all our stress immediately goes. If we look at that chakra, that's where our creativity is. That's where our safety is. That's where all of those things exist, Right all the way down into like our legs. That's what roots us. That's how we find home. Mm. We're rooted into the ground from those things. But if we're disconnected from those things, then we feel like we're disconnected from everything, right? So the thing that we can do is, okay, here are some fun things that you can try. Notice at no point in anywhere in this, uh, the unlock your hip like uh, routine. Notice how I don't say you have to do this every single day. You have to do, 
No, just sneak it in at the start of your training session. Do it while you're watching TV. I have like a whole on, on YouTube. It's like a 65 minute, like uh, a mobility class that it is called Netflix and stretch. It's just, it's literally like you state yourself that you can watch me, you watch it on TV, do whatever you want. And the reason why we focus on the hips is because that's where a lot of people are trapped. That's where a lot of people don't breathe. You don't breathe into your hips usually because you're busy doing chest breathing. Uh-huh. So if we can unlock the hips, if you could start that, it's going to open up a multitude of other opportunities for you in both your movement, both your, both your meditative practices, both your ability to just be grounded and rooted into like, again, not to, not to keep playing on into the present moment. If you're, if you're actually grounded in what you're doing, you're, you're present, you're, you're able to pursue, pursue whatever you want to work toward. Um, so that's why we kind of, that's why it's the entry point. And that's because in doing this for the last decade, I noticed most people, that's the number one thing they ask about. My hips are really tight. My back, my lower back's really bothering me. And this whole thing, that's, that's, that's why I created that. That's great. Uh, I love that you mentioned the chakras, like the, the first and second chakra are this, this, the seat of it all, the, where we find our groundedness and also where we have we hold all of our emotions. That's kind of the seat of it. And, and we, we talk about Kundalini and uh, that's the seat of it right there. And that's the beginning point of it. And so you're right. If we're disconnected from that place um, through shame or through embarrassment or, or through, uh, you know, rejection of, of acknowledging our emotions, we're going to have physical pain and, and it's going to manifest itself as physical pain in our body because there is this mind body connection. And if we think of them as separate, then we're, we're missing so much of the point. Um, so I am just, I love how you fuse it all together, how you are doing fitness, but also mindfulness and also spirituality. It's all coming in and it's all, um, working really, really well. Thank you so, so much for taking the time today to chat. This conversation has been so beautiful. Actually, on our preliminary call, you mentioned uh, the book, The Four Agreements, and uh, I bought it immediately and I started reading it because I, uh, I just, you know, I love when someone makes a really passionate recommendation for a book. And, uh, but I also want to recommend to our listeners one more time, seek out Chris's work. Chris is doing wonderful, wonderful work in the field of health and mindset coaching. Uh, and uh, we'll just say your website one more time, even though we've mentioned it a few times and we're going to have it linked up for you here. Uh, but uh, go to Chris's website at uh, chrismcmahon.com. Once again, that McMahon is, is uh, spelled M-C-M-H-O-N and there's a dash in there. So I'll say it one more time chris-mcmahon.com and uh, you can find so much, so many amazing resources and uh, just learn a a lot, a lot more from this amazing teacher and coach. So once again, thank you, Chris. This has been an amazing time together and uh, I can't wait to stay connected and hear all about the amazing things you're going to be doing in this world. Thank you very much, Noah. It was a pleasure to be here and to chat. Yeah, absolutely. All right, take care. So once again, we've come to the end of our show. Thank you to Chris for sharing his insights and wisdom with us today. I am feeling tremendous gratitude for all of the authenticity and vulnerability that's being shared on this series. 
and I hope that you are receiving this and that it's been enlightening for you as well. If you want to see the Revoice method in action, make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel so you can see more examples of how I turn nothing into something. And if you want to hear how the Revoice method turns into my art, download or stream my album Move on all the streaming platforms, or you can purchase it directly on my website, noaharonson.com. I am hard at work on a new album that will hopefully be ready by the end of 2021. This will be called Revoice. So make sure that you're staying connected and following me on all the social media channels to keep up to date with that release. And subscribe to my newsletter so you can find out if I'll be performing or holding a workshop in your area anytime soon. I am doing a virtual Revoice workshop through the Group Song platform, and we'll make links available for you to attend that workshop as well. As always, I want to remind you that you are creative, whether you believe it or not. We all have the power to not only access creativity, but to benefit from it. And I hope that you'll be inspired by this series to go out and start your creative journey. If you do, please share your creativity with us on our B Major Instagram page so we can share your creativity with our growing B Major community. Looking forward to being back here with you next week for another episode, reminding you that you can be happy, be healthy, be creative, that you can be major. Yeah.